You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're going to start the sixth chapter of Erovin today. And we're going to engage with the question of practically how do you make an Erov and what kind of things can go wrong. And as usual, the Mishnah is much more interested in what kind of things can go wrong than it is in practically how you make the Erov. As if the Mishnah understands that you already know how to make an Erov. And this was probably fine in the time of Rabbi Yudanasi. But it's it's more difficult in, um, oh, I don't know, Washington, D.C. or London, where we're not normally making Eruv Chatzarot every day. So what I'd like to do, if you'll excuse my taking a minute, is just to go back to the Rambam, go back to my Mondays and the Mishneh Torah, and just run over in the words of the Rambam actually how we're going to make the Eruv. This is an Eruv Chatzarot. We're going to join together different um, houses around a courtyard or different or it's maybe it's a shituf maybe we're going to join together different courtyards around an alley the first two types of error that we saw right at the beginning of the tractate with the post and the b and the rambam will actually explain to us what we practically do and once we understand that we can understand the mishnah a little better and he he begins. We actually learned this halacha before. Mahu What is an erov? Who sheyit arvu b'machalechad? That they will mix together or join together with one food. Me'erev Shabbat before Shabbat, and the the root arav ein reish bet is something to do with mixing or joining. It's a very odd word. It means mixture. So, we're going to mix together with one food. Okay, how are we going to do that? Kate Sud. How are we going to do it? Kate Sud, Ma'arvin, Bachatzerod. How are we going to make an arrow for a courtyard? Govin We're going to collect a complete loaf of bread from every house. And we're going to place them all in a single container in one of the houses of the courtyard. Or a granary is fine, or a barn, or a storehouse is fine. We're going to collect them all together and put them in one of the properties in the courtyard. And when it's all gathered together, we're going to make a bracha. A very interesting bracha, by the way. Baruch Hashem who's commanded us with, who's, who's made us holy with his commandments. This is really interesting because this is a rabbinic commandment. But we're making the classic, as with all rabbinic commandments, but this is the archetypal rabbinic commandment. Asher Kiddushanam is Fadatav, who's made us holy with his commandments and commanded us al mitzvat eruv, who's commanded us commanding about the eruv. And then we say, with this eruv, all the inhabitants of this courtyard will be permitted to bring objects in and out from one house to another. That is how we make the eruv. We collect, we make a bracha, and then we make a declaration. And the house, by the way, where the eruv is, is placed, doesn't have to give a loaf of bread. And by the way, and I just meant, I couldn't resist, this is the end of the halacha, but it it's sort of it is worth repeating because it echoes in many many other places if there's a place where we normally put the eruv we don't change it 
shalom, for the sake of peace. We don't like to cause aggravations or stress. If there's a place we normally put the air of, maybe it already, maybe it normally goes in in Moshe's house. We don't change that location. We don't insult Moshe by suddenly putting it in Avraham's house. Okay. What about a shituf? Remember that the alley uh, the alleyway Arab is called a shituf. Um, how do we make a shituf for an alley? We actually don't need a whole loaf here. We just need food the size of a dried fig, or even less if there are many people involved. But but the same principle goes. We put it in a single container in one of the courtyards, and then we say we make uh, and then we make the bracha, and then we say. With this shituf, shituf it'll be permitted for all the inhabitants of this lane or this alley to bring objects in and out. That's how we make the error. We collect food, we share our food, and then we make a bracha. Okay, so let's look at Mishnah Aleph. Hadar Imanochri, someone who lives in a courtyard. With a non-Jew, maybe someone's not Jewish. Or maybe that person doesn't agree with the principle of the Eruv. Well, what kind of person might that be? Well, hang on. This is a rabbinic mitzvah. This is the classic rabbinic mitzvah. If you were a Sadducee or a Karaite, if you were someone who only believed in the written Torah, you absolutely wouldn't believe in the validity of the Eruv. That's a problem. Hareze or love. That essentially, um, if someone lives with one of those people, it or love, it, it essentially makes the I mean, I've translated here as prevents him. I mean, isur is a is a is a is a is something which is forbidden. Essentially, it invalidates the eruv. Divrei Rabbi Meir, according to the words of Rabbi Meir, he can't make an eruv unless everyone is participating, and that goes back to the words of the Rambam. Remember, the Rambam said everyone mixes together, everybody participates. Essentially, what we're doing it by the eruv is we're mixing up our sovereignty, our ownership over that space, symbolically. If we can't mix up symbolically our ownership over that space, then we can't make the error. It doesn't work. We can't turn this private space into communal space. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov actually has a slightly more laid-back view. Um, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov is not so anxious about the non-Jew, actually. Um, he, but he is anxious if there are two Jews who, if, if essentially, if a Jew doesn't believe in the Eruv. And the Bartanura actually comments here. Um, he says, "Look, there's no dispute between the first Tanner, according to and, and Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. It's just how they approach the problem, and essentially what he says is, and by the way, the Rambam gives exactly the same language. I think it comes from the Gemara. He says, Dirat Oved Kochavim, love Shma Dira. The residence of an idolater is not called a residence. I.e., he doesn't seem to have ownership over the space, and that's why." Um, you can't say his ownership is not mingled with ours because he doesn't own the space anyway. It's a really interesting idea. But, uh, the Bartonura says, the rabbis decreed this. 
אלה גזר רבנן, כדי שלא ידור ישראל עם העובד כוכבים. So a Jew shouldn't live with an idolater. שלא ילמד ממעשיו. That he wouldn't learn from their actions. And I, I do remember, by the way, a Dayan in London once permitting us to carry in space that was shared with a non-Jew. And we explained to the Dayan that this was a very kind lady who let us use her, her roof terrace to build a sukkah on during Sukkot. And she actually allowed us to place our sukkah on her roof terrace. And he was very pleased. And at first he said, well, maybe she's Jewish. He couldn't believe that someone was so kind who wasn't Jewish. But he did actually eventually allow us to carry in that shared space. So we could carry on Cholamod Sukkot into the Sukkah. Different kind of person. Not the sort of Oved Kochavim they had in those days. Rabban Gamliel said, echad. A Sadducee once lived with us in the same alley. He used to live with us in a certain alley in Jerusalem. And father told us, who is Abba here? Abba here is Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, right? Rabban Gamliel's father. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel was the last of Bet Din before the destruction of, the, of Jerusalem. Essentially the last of Bet Din before Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So he remembers living in Jerusalem. He remembers what happened there. And of course they had Sadducees in Jerusalem. In the first half of the you know first century of the common era, so he remembers living with Sadducees. Um, the Rambam actually says there's a particular Sadducee who was the uh, kind of an arch 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 non-believer in in rabbinic Judaism. But anyway, he said, "Hurry up and bring your stuff out." Maharu behot siu et kolakilim. Bring everything you need out into the um, the alley. Before he brings his stuff out and prevents you. Whether this is him bringing stuff out in order to take possession of the alley, not quite clear. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Rabbi Yudah gives different language. Rabbi Yudah Omer, do everything you need in the alley. Until, you know, in case he brings out his stuff and thereby prevents you. And there is a, an idea in the Gemara that the core principle underlying this is the ability for one person to give up his rights to the, that part, his rights to the alley to somebody else. Of course, that's why if a non-Jew has no rights at all in the alley, it's irrelevant. He doesn't have to give anything up. And we'll see in the next Mishnah that this is incredibly important. So maybe one of the, um, out of the people in the um, courtyard, one of them forgot, forgot to join in the Arab. They forgot to contribute their loaf. Arab Shabbat, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because if we don't do anything at all, um, his house is forbidden both to him and to them for taking in or taking out. But their houses are permitted, actually, both to him and to them, because they've made an eruv, right? So he can carry, say, from um, the courtyard into one of their houses or from one of their houses into the courtyard. He just can't carry from his own house into the courtyard. But, here's the but. 
If they gave, if they gave their part in the courtyard to him, that's now his private property. He's permitted because they're forbidden. They're forbidden because it's, <laughs> they don't. Their eruv doesn't work anymore because they've given him the, they've given him the, the property. Of course, he doesn't need an eruv because it's his property. And it can go the other way too, by the way. So he could declare on Shabbat that he gives them the space. And that, um, that, that is probably the mechanism that allows, that is probably the mechanism that allows them to take in and out and in and out and in and out. If he didn't do that, if he didn't hand over his portion of the courtyard, I think there would be a problem. The Gemara spends a lot of time looking at this, I'm afraid. And I, I wanted to bring you the Gemara, but it's so... I, I could not find a way of compressing it, I'm afraid. Now, Hayushnaim. But this is really... This idea of giving up is very important. Hayushnaim. Maybe there were two who forgot. If there are two, they have to... to to restrict each other they, they have to if you like um you can't figure out any way in which they can participate in this error one person can give up a share of the courtyard and can take a share of the courtyard so you can play games with ownership if you've just got one person two people can give ownership but they can't take ownership. If you... Um, obviously, two people can hand over shared ownership to the rest of the community. But the community can't give two people ownership over uh, the courtyard because if they were to do that, well, you'd, ha- you'd end up still with a shared courtyard, right? You're giving it to two people. And they haven't made an error before Shabbat. So it's totally useless. It only this idea of giving up rights over the property only works if there's one person, because one person doesn't need an error to carry in and out of his own property. But as soon as you have two people, you have a major problem, and that's why, generally, you know, you're living around a courtyard. Going back to the Rambam, the community has to come together. If the community doesn't come together and agree to make the Eruv, and remember to make the Eruv, it's incredibly complicated for every single, um, every single resident in that space. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.